spoken word artist Chris Bernsdorf is here with The Antidote. Good to meet you, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Just great. I suppose it might be best to describe you as a spoken word veteran because you've been at this for a long time. Yeah, veteran seems like a a strong word. But yeah, I've been doing it for eight years. Uh, It'll be nine years this fall. That's awesome. I guess everyone has their own creative path. So obviously you didn't want to be a rock and roll god, so you chose poetry? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think rock and roll god was just not open to me. I loved writing first, but I, I didn't really admit it until long after I'd like fallen in love with music and I got into like punk and metal and DIY things. Yeah, I just like couldn't sing and I couldn't play an instrument and I always wanted to be in a band. So I never knew what that was going to work out as. And then I sort of fell into spoken word, just unrelated. I was on Indie Vision Music one day and they kept talking about this guy, Bradley Hathaway. So I checked him out and it changed my whole life. Like I, I had this crazy, like religious experience when I was like 18, where I just was in my creative writing class and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I'd like, you know, cried to my advisors. I really wanted to change the world, but I didn't know what to do. And I grew up playing sports. So I was, I like stopped that when I went to college and I was just trying to like explore what else there was. Cause all I had done was play football and play basketball, which I loved. But I was like, okay, like what else is there in the world? Because I'm not going to be a professional athlete. And one day after class, this like table appeared in my mind and everything off of it cleared. And there's just this sentence, I have to be a poet. And I didn't really think very much of it. It was just sort of this thing that happened. And then I was like, oh, well, all right. And then I just decided to be a poet, but I didn't know what that meant. And I just kept being into music and going to school and knowing I was going to be a poet, but I didn't know what that was. And then I fell into spoken word and just became a fan. And then as I like tried to start doing things with my poetry, I ended up finding out that memorizing stuff and and saying it was the best way to give my poems the voice that I thought they had. Yeah, I tried it out once and then it was really cool. And then I was like, oh, maybe this is my band thing. Like I'm just going to be a poet. And I kind of just went from there and I gravitated towards the music scene because that's what I knew. And most of the people that I found early on were like Bradley Hathaway, Levi the Poet, Dan Smith from Listener, people like that who were also tied to music. I suppose for people that haven't you know, had any experience with spoken word, it could also be described as performance poetry. But that means you have to be uber outgoing. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you do. I I think I'm pretty outgoing as a person. And I don't think I chose that with intention. But then something that became really clear is you can't hide. I try not to use a microphone even. So there's like, for me, there's no mic, there's no guitar, there's no other band members, there's nothing that sounds good. Like what I do is not sonically appealing. It's literally just me talking. So it, it's really, really, really vulnerable. A lot of my life has really terrified me, but it's something I like felt like I had to do. And so I just kept pushing through it. Like the vulnerability adds an authenticity uh, to the art and the experience, I think, because I I can't be cool and I can't really sound good. So it, it, <laughs> there's got to be something really valuable in it or else I'm done for. Isn't that intimidating for you? 
Yes. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty used to it for the most part. Uh, if I haven't performed in a bit, I have a new album and I haven't done shows since uh, January. So when I start touring again, it'll I'll probably be a little shaky for a bit. Um, but it's something you'd, I just had to like keep pushing into and and like I believe in God, so it's just asking God for help because it's kind of embarrassing, but I've definitely broken down crying on more than one occasion, like before a show or after a show, just like terrified that people didn't understand me or that it, the art didn't work or the message didn't get across or whatever. And it's something I just kind of had to keep persevering through. And the Lord's good. Like there is a lot of positive feedback along the way. So yeah, it wasn't all bleak and dark, but it's, it's definitely challenging and hard, especially when you're first getting used to it. Well, I have wondered about that, about spoken word, because it's aggressively passionate. Can that kind of intensity turn off some listeners? Yeah, I think so. Um, if I'm honest, I try for the most part to just not think about what it must be like to experience me, because it is it is really intense. And um, yeah, there's often an aggressive tone to it. And I think that's something for me learning how to introduce myself and introduce my art like in a way like when I get on stage like find a way to to bring people in and have it be invitational because I think spoken word is beautiful like when I when I saw that Bradley Hathaway video it took me by the throat like I had had to watch when I saw it the first time I'd never seen anything like it and I was so moved by the passion and he was flailing his arms like you become part of the poem and I think it's really beautiful for people but finding a way to introduce that especially because a lot of people have never experienced it um i started performing at a lot of metal and hardcore shows and i think the passion of spoken word translated to the passion of that music a lot and so it was like a an easier transition like poetry and metal seem antithetical but i think the the passion and the boldness and the toughness of it are actually really spiritually related i get that now, songs are usually music-based and the lyrics are sort of secondary, but it's really the opposite with spoken word. This is true storytelling. Yeah, the words are all I have, so I've got to create something that pulls people in. And language has its own music, um, so that's part of writing a good poem, whatever that means, is is having uh, language that tastes good and feels good and sounds good and um, my poetry teacher uh, is this guy named Sasha Feinstein, and when he reads, and he's a tremendous poet, and I'm so thankful to have learned from him, um, but when he reads, like it sounds like he's going to make out with and marry and live in a log cabin forever with every word that he says. <laughs> like The articles, the thes and as, like every word he means and loves with all that he has. So like, So listening to him becomes this beautiful comforting powerful experience and i think early on like having him read and and talk to me about the art of language and and the music and the love that has to go into your craft yeah pushed me to try to do something similar with my words to create music and rhythm and to create images we talk a lot about that Uh, like good poems generally are they're image driven so they have it's not someone telling you a fact, but rather creating a world that you can step into and walk around with and experience with the poet. Well, one of your passionate poems really got some notice. 
because Alternative Press told its readers that your poem, Unfold, had to be heard. Is it tough to get that kind of attention? <laughs> yes. Um, I think it is. Gosh, music and art business is all really wild. I, I had a friend help me out with PR, and he was able to get in touch with AP and, and get that in front of them. I think that's the really challenging thing with all of this is over and over what I've seen is like, one, you just have to make good art. But then two, you've got to find ways to get it in front of the right people when they have the right mindset. Um, like when they are in a place where they can have put attention on something or, or want to take it seriously. And yeah, having my friend pass it to the right person, I think got his like, extra stamp of like, hey, this is really valuable. You should check it out. Um, so I was really grateful for that because that kind of stuff's really hard to come by, especially doing a non-traditional art form, I think. <laughs> Here's a question that I've asked of other spoken word artists, and I'd really like to hear your thoughts. Do you think that a spoken word artist creates a closer connection to their audience, like in comparison to a traditional music style? I... I would hesitate to say that it's it's closer, but I think there is a yeah, there is a rawness there because I think people just have the emotional connections to the things that they do. Um, so I know people who've connected deeply to all sorts of music and even visual art and all all sorts of things. Um, but I think the I think that poetry, yeah, it has that vulnerability because it's just a person and their words. Uh, there's so much less to separate you from the artist and from the art. Uh, there's no obfuscating of, of the message because the there's music or something else happening. Yeah, I don't think it's any any more or less effective, but I do think it is very effective. Well, you just brought up the point about music because spoken word artists often will use a music background. What are your thoughts? Does that add or detract from a performance? <laughs> um i always had to be really careful um oh, so don't I'd be careful just say what you think <laughs> <laughs> well so i i yeah people say this all the time to me it's a running joke with my friends and i um because people often will come up and say like hey man do you ever do you ever think about adding music to your poems and like you know, I probably hear that like once a month for nine years. And also sometimes people have said it in a way that I feel like really devalues what I'm doing because they'll they'll say things like, hey, that was really cool. But if you added music to it, man, it would just really make it more passionate or something, which always, always feels rough. Um, but see, I'm not so sure that it does add to it. And that's why I was asking you that question. Yeah. So I... I like agree and disagree. Uh, Levi the Poet's one of my favorite artists. He might just, yeah, be my favorite artist. Um, I think he's been adding music to his stuff for uh, years now. And I think the poems and the music that he's putting out are, there aren't words. They're so good. Uh, Cataracts is such an important record for our time. Correspondence is a literal masterpiece. And they're, they're full of music. I think Levi does a really good job. Uh, his vocals are mixed right in the front. So he's very, very intentional about making sure that every word is heard. Um, music is not for me. I think that's what I've settled on. Uh, I do sometimes perform with people who play music for me. Usually happens like once or twice a year. We'll just be like I'll end up playing a bar and it's a bar where people are there to drink. It's not a show with a bar. It's a bar with a show. And that's not a very conducive listening environment for someone just shouting. So I'll get a friend to play with me or something. 
Um, I want to keep away from the music because I think my words are so important and they're so important to me and I want people to hear exactly what I'm saying. And, and I really believe that poetry is not a bastard art. It doesn't, it doesn't need a helping hand. Like if my words are not captivating enough for you, then I think I'm probably doing something wrong and I need to work on my performance or the poem itself. Um, so I have a lot of friends that do poetry with music and I think it's really good and I like it. But for me, I just, I just want it to be one person to another, just words. And I want my art to stand up on its own two feet. Maybe we should hear more about that then. So when you begin working on a new collection of poems, do you look into giving it a theme or a concept? Um, usually I don't. Usually I just look at what I've been writing, what I've been feeling. I, I just pray about like what God wants me to say and I'll build off of whatever I have and look to see which poems go together. I did once have two love poems and I was like, man, these are really cool. And this is at the time it was unlike anything I had done. Um, so I went and yeah, worked on writing more love poems and that became my EP yellow, um, that came out in like 2013. Um, but usually it's just like, okay, I've been writing and these are things that I like. Can we shape them together or, or how do they go together? Um, with the new album, I'd really wanted to put love poems and not love poems together. And I had some poems and I was thinking about, all right, like, how do they go together? How do I frame this? And then also the poems I had left to write, I was, I started driving towards, okay, like I know what poems I have, how can these poems all work together? Um, but it usually just starts from me having drafts and what I've been playing around with. And I try to build from what's already there. The reason that I'd brought that up was because I thought I was catching a bit of a theme on your move release, because it has poems that deal with death, like eschatology and autopsies and oh exuberant death. Yeah, I think I think for that, that was probably just something... Um, that was just your emo phase? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's so cliche, because it's like, well, another poet thinking about death, but... Uh, yeah, I think, I think death is, a. Uh, it, it sounds so silly to say, but it's really real. Like it's the thing that will come for all of us and where we are is necessarily temporary because we all know that we leave here eventually. I have spent and, and often continue to spend a lot of time thinking about death and the implications of death. And, and as a Christian, like I believe that death is a good thing and, you know, that's what I'm supposed to believe, but I don't always believe that. And I think wrestling with like, like what Christ's death means and, and what death means for me and what's promised. Yeah, I saw a quote once and this person said, like, when are you going to stop writing about uh, poems about love and death? And, and the poet responded, whenever there's something else to write about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way often. <laughs> You've already brought up about your faith a number of times. Is that what inspires you, your Christian faith? Yeah, I mean, it's transformed my life and how I see the world. And yeah, it's like all of me, I think. So I can't, you know, I can't help but write from it. Yeah, the way that I see the world. And there's a dude, Priest and Phillips. Um, he's a folk Americana artist. And he said at a festival that we played a couple years ago um, that the Christian's job is to act as a tour guide and, and to point out what God is doing and I think that gave words to something I felt a lot. Um, as I've had a feeling for a long time, um, I grew up really into uh, like 
mid 2000s pop punk like reliant k is my favorite band and like just positive bands and and sometimes those bands get criticized for maybe not engaging with the hardness of life um which is a fair criticism but i think something reliant k always did really well was pointing out the hard but then pointing out the good and i think the reality of life is that everyone finds the hard like no one needs help finding suffering or pain but but we often do need a, a helping hand uh, to find what's underneath the pain or where it's all going or some sort of light or hope. And my, my teacher said that art is a way of seeing and that all that we create is just us taking, you know, the, the lenses we've been given and just like gently holding them up to other people's eyes and helping them see. Um, so I, I hope that that's like what my art does is it helps people see, like see the bad, but also see the love that I think the universe is hinged on in God. And that's what I appreciate you being so honest in your poems. Being a Christian, does happiness outweigh the struggles? Oof. That's a good one. And my wife just walked in and I'm looking at her. We, uh, we've talked a lot about suffering uh, the last few months and few years. We've had a lot of hardship um, in our in our friend groups and 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 I feel like that sounds so cliche when I say like ah oh, my friends are having a hard time or it doesn't sound like it has a lot of weight but uh, the way that we live our lives like because we're involved in art I think art um, there's something really cool about it where there people just open up really fast you know there's, there's this implicit pressure of like hey you're only in town for the show tonight like we only might have these six hours and then I may not see you for two years uh, which happens sometimes. Um, so people, regardless of faith, uh, just become really real, really fast. And we're really close uh, with a lot of our friends. They're our family. And there's been a lot of pain. Uh, man, I just think there's so much suffering. One of our best friends, uh, we just talk a lot about suffering with him and, and what, what are we to make of man's place in the universe. And I think, I think that joy is underneath all of it. But I think suffering is a part of the path. I think that's what we see in the, the person of Christ and throughout the Bible that there's just a lot of hurt and that's part of being alive, but then it becomes reconciled in Christ. And then there, there is something greater, but we can't not suffer and we can't not acknowledge the suffering. Uh, my wife and I've had a lot of trouble wrestling with, there's a lot of theology in churches that seems to minimize suffering, but I think God is so very acknowledging of it. So we need to be as well. And you find joy through it and at the bottom of it, but not by pretending it doesn't exist. Absolutely. That was a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I think, too, we're called as Christians to join in the suffering, not just to get out of our own, but to join in with others. And that is uncomfortable and difficult and not what I'm looking to do most days. But I think it's what we're called to and I, yeah, I hope that that's something that we can share in, in, a, in a godly way. The length of your poems vary enormously. I mean, <laughs> some are as short as 30 seconds, and then you take it to the other extreme with the poem, I think I'm saying this right, 152.42? Yeah, that's the one. Running 10 and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's 12 minutes when you uh, when you do the revised version. <laughs> 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 yeah it's it's wild that was a special one um yeah i think that's the cool thing about poetry is um it's really funny when people you're, you're asked like oh you could like define poetry what is that what is a poem and it's sort of like a 
a weird catch-all where like fiction is like pretty clearly defined. Um, flash fiction makes it a little messy, but generally it's like, oh, fiction is a story that's not real. Nonfiction is anything that's real. And then poems are this weird amorphous category that catch all sorts of strange things. Um, so the shorter poems on leftover hymns, um, that was a lot of stuff that I was writing in college that I, I really liked and uh, I thought were important. Most spoken words seems to clock in between like two and a half to three minutes. I've never actually done a slam, but I'm pretty sure a slam poem has to be under three minutes and 10 seconds. So a lot of spoken word that people encounter is around that length. Um, I thought the short poems were cool. Uh, I went to college for poetry, so I got trained as like a page poet. And I, I thought those poems were valuable, even though they're short. So I wanted to put those out. And then I also found great freedom in studying people like Walt Whitman, um, Matthew Dickman. Matthew Dickman's my favorite poet. People who write these long, epic, just flowing poems. And I, I really a fan of like the New York School of Poetry, which has this like crazy swing to it that just embraces life and movement and everything's in the game. You can do anything you want. Uh, 152 is sort of like a, a crazy experience for me. You never stop putting out poems. Your new collection, It's All Joy, releases May 17th. You haven't given it a theme, but you've mentioned about the love aspect to it. Yeah. So I, I put out Move in 2012, and then I I felt like a real pressure to like put something out right away. So, so Yellow came out only like six months later. Uh, I essentially had no idea what I was doing in terms of like... <laughs> album cycle and and rhythm and stuff i just thought i needed to put something else out because the poems on move i had been most of them i'd been performing for about two years at that point so i i felt like oh i gotta really keep stuff coming out and i had those two love poems and i really dug them so in my mind it was like putting out an acoustic ep but but since then like i think for me all of my poems are are one like i think they all point to god's glory and beautiful things in the earth so i I didn't like that the love poems were separate from the normal poems. Like I myself thought about that. Like a lot of people that I interacted with brought it up that there's like normal poems and love poems. And I always longed for them to be one. Um, you know, like the Bible has song of songs, which is this like very, very, very graphic sex book, sort of <laughs> like it's about a man and a woman. And there's like a lot of sexual stuff and a lot of romantic love in it. Um, so I just wanted everything to be one. And so this is something I've like been longing for, for a really long time to just bridge them together. And then for me, like I, I do see things in themes and I, uh, the Bible says that uh, a man and a woman's love is uh, like an, as a husband and wife is a metaphor for Christ and his church. And I think these poems work on, yeah, like when I love my wife, like I'm loving my wife, but I'm also seeing and loving God and this weird messiness. I think that's been one of the big themes of my life is the last couple of years, I, most of the things that I was certain of, like most of the institutions, most of the bands, the genres of music, the things that I was doing, my friends, uh, a lot of it has all sort of just fallen apart or changed really drastically. And it was all these things that I was confident in. And God sort of just made it where I, I don't have anything except for him. And I feel so assured of that, even though most of the things that I felt sure of, like churches and, and friend groups and the way things worked, spirit-filled hardcore, like all of it, it all 
just sort of fell, but then God was still there and I don't really control any of it. And I think I, the new record is just trying to wrestle with like finding peace and feeling this crazy ever changing swirl of existence, but somehow God is always there and he's still loving me and he's still loving his people and the earth. And yeah, it's like when I love my wife, like I see God and when I see God, I see my wife and it it all just kind of messes together. Well, something interesting I found about the poems on It's All Joy is your use of geographical metaphors for love, or maybe it's vice versa. I guess I'm thinking of county government and Paris. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are, <laughs> yeah, I, I was a history major, and so history and geography are pretty closely tied. Those are things I'm familiar with, and they work really well for me. Um, and then Paris is just... Goodness, Paris is beautiful. I it sounds silly to like Paris as a poet, you know, what a cliche, but <laughs> goodness, that city is incredible. Yeah, I don't speak French. I'm not a part of the culture. I've only been a couple times and I don't really uh, necessarily go in for like a specific place. Like I really value people where we spend most of our time in Michigan. Um it's ugly. It's it's terribly ugly. It's just flat and full of liquor stores and old homes, but but the people are wonderful. So we love coming here. Um Paris though, we barely know anybody, but there's just something about that place and it it unfolds and it feels magical and old and holy and wonderful. And so I just I feel things like the second I step out of a car or a train whenever we get there, I just feel something really deep. And I wanted to push for that. And I feel that way about my wife. Like I just feel something deep that I could probably spend my whole life looking at and trying to talk about and describe and I would never finish it. Even though the album is entitled It's All Joy, it isn't always joyful because you've included a poem called Dirt. Now, I don't want to put an adult-only rating on this show, so I'm not going to be airing it, but you have to explain why be so graphic. <laughs> oh man, you're the first person to talk about this poem. We're not we're not doing a single for it and I don't think I'm going to be performing it on the upcoming tour. So I'm just waiting to see when people say something. Um I uh, I just really think that we miss it. Yeah, if you're not a believer or if you're not raised around a Christian culture, then this may not make a lot of sense to you. Um, but we just, we just miss it so much. A Christian culture is so sanitized and it's not, I don't know. It just doesn't feel designed to engage with the whole truth. Um, the Bible is really hard. The Bible says a lot of things that are not, um, cute selling points. They're things that are hard to accept as a Christian. Um, and I think we often act like, oh, well, God just loves people and that's that. Like, you dumb atheist, if you just think about it. And and in reality, the Bible is a really challenging book and God is not always who I want him to be. And I've, I've watched a lot of friends get really hurt. I've watched myself really struggle and suffer because we're taught this really easy, simple, sanitized version of Christianity. And then when you start reading the Bible, you're confronted with really difficult, hard things. Or when you start living as a person, when you like become an adult and I'm 20, 28 now, I'll be 29 next month. And as I've lived more, um, the world is cruel and rotten and ugly a lot. The first homeless person that I talked to 
I could barely understand him because he spoke in this crazy, like spluttering something. And I'm pretty sure he told me that he raped someone. It, it was horrifying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is not the videos they showed me at church. The church was like, yeah, man, if you love homeless people, it just turns out that they're great people. And we were all really missing the mark. And it, it just didn't deal with the the suffering and the hurt and the the crippling realities of life. And I, I think the Bible does, and I think God does, but I think it's really important for us to be honest about it. You know that, yeah, that opening line's pretty rough, but, but it, it's, that's how God came to earth. Like, I don't need a Jesus that just helps me out when Cindy is not so nice at work. Like, I need a Jesus that deals with the fact that my mom's been blind almost my whole life. Wow. Like, I need a Jesus that deals with the fact that my friend's brother just stopped cancer treatment and is in hospice. Like, I I need a God that deals with that. And I, I believe Yahweh of the Bible is that God. But I think we need to embrace it and we need to not hide from the hard things because I think God will walk us through the hard things and we'll find real peace and love and joy in that. But we can't we can't skip them. And I think when we skip them, we lie about who God is and then we confuse people and we become a stumbling block. And yeah, it drives me crazy and it's really hard. So I just wanted to be honest about all of it and hope that God would shine through through that. Tell me something. Was there a special meaning for closing It's All Joy with the poem called One? That just felt right. Yeah, the last line is, the pot says to the potter, keep going. And I think that's just where I feel I am in my life. Um, There's a lot of stuff that's hard. I've got a lot of friendships that are still broken or unresolved. Um, Yeah, I'm my mom's blind like that's so fine my mom's lived a wonderful life and i'm so thankful for her but there there is a lot in my life that's not resolved and there's things in my own heart that i don't understand or that i struggle with there's doubts that i have and there's just like like i said i'm a history major too there's so much hurt and the human race is guilty of so much and somehow through all of that at the bottom of my soul, I I know that God's good and I see him be good and I see him love me and love my mom and love my dad and my family and my friends. And I see the change that Christ has wrought in the lives of everybody I know who's ever, never walked with him. So I, yeah, I just wanted to finish the record. I'm like, it is all joy. Uh, The Bible says that God is working everything for good, for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I think yeah, and all of the Holocaust and the genocide and the crime and the hunger and the suffering and the brokenheartedness, like at the bottom of it, there's the pierced hand of Jesus, like lifting us back up. And so I just want God to keep doing what he's doing because I know it's going somewhere good and I'm thankful despite all of the pain. <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for coming on The Antidote and sharing about your poems. And I guess best of luck with It's All Joy. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.